Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. If you're a guest with us, so I wanted to just share we're in a series called The Twelve, and we are studying the lives of the Twelve Apostles. Uh, these were ordinary men that God did extraordinary things through. Uh, he chose these 12 people, and he built the church around these 12 men of God that had walked with Jesus for about three and a half years. So far, we've covered the apostles, Andrew, Peter, and James, and I didn't really want to go out of order. I just felt compelled to just continue forward. And so today, we're going to take on the apostle John. Say John with me today. John, the apostle John. As we begin, I want to dive into some of the background of John. We've done this each week. I just wanted to give some background. We did that with Andrew and James and Peter. And today I want to give you a little bit of background of who is John. If you were here last week, then you should already have a little bit of details because we know that John was the brother of James, the son of Zebedee, right? We knew that. So there's John and James, the son of Zebedee. And and he's a younger brother of James. And Jesus nicknamed these two brothers the Sons of Thunder. And probably because of their personality, their personality was bold, it was brash. And so Jesus says, you know, we're going to nickname you guys the Sons of Thunder. John the Apostle is not John the Baptist. Okay? And it's important to differentiate between those two things. John the Apostle is separate from John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a prophet. And he came and he declared that the Messiah was coming. He actually, he actually called the people to repentance and make a, he was making a way for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. In fact, John the Apostle was a disciple of John the Baptist. And then when Jesus comes onto the scene, John went and followed Jesus, the Messiah. Um, John the Apostle was the fisherman. And he was one of those four that were on the Sea of Galilee, on the shore of Galilee. When Jesus walked by, he said to Andrew and Peter, he says, come, follow me, I'll make you fishers and men. And Jesus keeps on walking, and then he sees John and James, and he says, James and John, follow me, I want to make you fishers of men. John was also part of that inner circle. Peter, James, and John. John got to experience some of the things uh, with Jesus, some of the intimate things with Jesus. And, and John is known as the one that Jesus loved. In fact, John calls himself out as that. I am the one that Jesus loved. And sometimes we think about that, we think that's such a prideful statement. Why would he ever say such a statement? No, I don't think it had anything to do with a prideful statement. He just understood that Jesus loved him. And some of you need to understand that today too, that Jesus loves you. You need to be saying, I am the one that Jesus loves. You need to receive that in your spirit because Jesus does love you. You need to understand that, and John understood that truth. John is one of the main authors of the New Testament, as he wrote five of the books of the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote three letters. They're called the Epistles, First and Second and Third John. And then he wrote the very last book in the New Testament, Revelation. So he wrote five of the books. In fact, out of all the authors, we have the Apostle Paul, who authored so much of the New Testament, the Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. He, he authored so many letters. He wrote to the churches. Uh, so he has a lot of the letters in the New Testament. The, uh, Luke is the second one that has the most content. He only wrote two books, but they're big books. 
Luke wrote, wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he also wrote the book of Acts, which is the history of the church. And then the third person that wrote the most in the New Testament is John. So John is an important piece when it comes to the 12 disciples of Jesus. He had, an impact, he had a tremendous impact in the New Testament church. And John is seen as one of the pillars of the church. And this is according to the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.9. You can find that he's called one of the pillars of the church. According to church history, John was the apostle who died of old age. He's the only one, according to church history, that was not martyred or killed for his faith. The rest of the apostles were killed for their faith. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the life of John and what that must have felt like for him. If you think about it, he was so close to Jesus. He's part of the inner circle with Jesus. In fact, they said, you know, in the Last Supper, so many of the paintings symbolizes that John has his head on Jesus' shoulders. There was an intimacy between him and Jesus. There was a closeness because he experienced the love of Christ firsthand for himself. And then when Jesus was crucified and then he ascended into heaven, John lost that good friend Jesus. And I started thinking about it. Not soon after that, it was his brother James who became the first martyr of the 12 disciples. James was killed by the sword. We learned that last week. And I was thinking... The loss that John was experiencing during this time. He lost Jesus, now he lost his brother James. And then it proceeds that he watches each and every one of the disciples be martyred for their faith or hears about it. And he, here is John, the last one standing. He's walked through all of this. And you want to talk about someone who has, has experience? John has tremendous experience in his life. John was also the one that was the only one that was mentioned to have been at Jesus' crucifixion. And John was given the great responsibility, as you read through the gospel, that he was to take care of Jesus' mother, Mary. By many, John is known as the apostle of love. And when you read through John's writings, you discover that love is a common theme throughout 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. Love is a common theme in the Gospel of John. It's where we get one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible. 1st John, or John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. John understood love. And one of the great scriptures that he writes in 1st John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. The other subject that was so important to the Apostle John was the topic of truth. John writes in 3 John 1, 4, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. These were two subjects that were so important to John, love and truth. And over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk, because we're going to spend two weeks on the Apostle John. I just let the, you know, the, the surprise out of the bag. But we're going to talk about how love and truth so impacted this apostle's life. And how we need to allow the love of Christ and the truth of Christ to impact our lives so that we can be changed. Just like the apostle John was changed and followed after Christ. His life was forever impacted by his relationship with the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Today we begin with this question. As we tackle the subject of truth, what is truth? 
What is truth? We've watched, I don't know, how many, how many of you have ever watched the game show To Tell the Truth? Anybody out there? Okay, I'm so old, some of you don't know, and so I'm going to have to explain it to you. I'm so old, I actually watched the old black and white ones. So there you go. I don't know if they were filmed in black and white or just my TV was black and white. I don't remember when I was a kid, but I know my TV was black and white. But, uh, so if it was color, I didn't even know it was color anyhow, so it just didn't matter. But uh, to tell the truth, and now they have a new game show that, that is the same thing, to tell the truth. And it's kind of an interesting game show because what they do is they put three or four uh, contestants up in the front. And there's only one that is actually the real person who did something extraordinary, did something amazing. And the other two or three contestants, guess what? Uh, they're not the ones that did something amazing. They were actually imposters. And so everybody has to uh, try to act like they're the one. The only one that is sworn to tell the truth is the one that is actually the person that is the one that they're representing, whoever that person is. The other three are imposters. And then all of a sudden the panel gets to ask questions and they have to try to decide who's the one telling the truth. If you've ever watched a game show, I am about 85 to 90% every single time I pick the wrong person. I don't pick the one that's the real person. They are great liars. I mean, they, I mean, I believe them. I'm going, oh my goodness. And they just, they just tell the story. I'm going, that has to be the one. And, and then sooner or later, all of a sudden, they, at the end, they say, you know, the one who is telling the truth, please stand up. And, and they keep on going up and down, up and down. And all of a sudden, the one that's telling the truth, stand up. How could it be that person? I read a statistic the other day. God help us. That over 90% of people lie on a regular basis. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's, could that be true? People are good liars. It's kind of a scary percentage. So then the question is, how do we know what is truth? In chapter 18 of John's Gospel... We can read an account of Jesus being questioned by Pilate, who was the governor of Rome at that time. And Pilate brings Jesus into uh, the courtroom to talk with Jesus because Jesus is being accused of all these different things. And Pilate brings him in and he asks him the question because, you know, are you claiming, Jesus, that you are a king, that you are the king of the Jews? And Jesus responded to Pilate, my kingdom, my kingdom is not of this world. And then Pilate responds, and I want you to listen to verse 37 here. Pilate said, so you are a king. Might not be this world, but you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate then responds, what is truth? And then in the scripture it says he walks away. He goes back out to the mob. So it's a rhetorical question. He's not looking for Jesus to answer that question. He just says, Pilate says, what is truth? As he walks away. You see, he was basically stating, Pilate, truth is relative. Meaning there is no absolute truth. And it's interesting to me to see how relevant this is to our society today. How relevant it is to our culture today that your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, whatever you believe, that is truth for me. There is no absolute truth. Think about this. Pilate concluded that Jesus was innocent. 
He said, I cannot find any wrong with you. In fact, he went out to the mob and he was trying to let them set uh, Jesus free, but they chose Barabbas over, over Jesus. And he was trying to let them free Jesus because he said, I, don't, I find no wrong in him. But because of everybody, the crowd, the mob, they were shouting that, that Jesus needed to be crucified. Guess what? Pilate gives in to their, their, their request and he, and he condemns Jesus and has him crucified. So let me ask you this question. How did relative truth help Jesus? How did relative truth help Jesus? The idea of this universal truth is a dangerous thought because it leads us away from the ultimate truth that is found in God. We live in a society filled with imposters. And John's writing his letters because he recognizes that there are so many false prophets coming through, so many false teachers coming through. He's trying to tell them, hey, I walked with Jesus. I know Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. And we live in a place today where we have so many imposters. At times it feels like we're on the game show to tell the truth. Will the real Jesus stand up? And see, for each and every one of us, we have a journey where we have to find out who Jesus is. The true Jesus. Not the lies, not the ideas, not the thoughts, not the public opinion, but Jesus who is spoken of in the word of God. Look again at Jesus' response to Peter's or Pilate's question. He says, for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What Jesus is saying is, I am the truth. When we listen to Jesus, we are hearing the truth. Everything about God is truth. Will the real Savior please stand up? And his name is Jesus. Jesus. When Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit, he said, when the Holy Spirit, uh, when the Spirit of truth comes, God's Spirit, truth. Before Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus prayed on behalf of the other disciples. And he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We want to know where we find truth? We find it in God's word. Truth is God. It is a self-expression of God. Truth is not an abstract thought. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Truth is not public opinion. Remember, it was public opinion that crucified Jesus. You can walk down public opinion lane, but guess what? It's not going to take you to Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we are not called to follow public opinion. We are called to follow Jesus. I'm going to say it again. As followers of Jesus, we are not called to follow public opinion. We are called to follow Jesus. Will you say that with me? We are called to follow Jesus. Say that. We are called to follow Jesus. I share this because at times it gets difficult when all of a sudden our friends go this way. Public opinion goes this way. They head this direction. And all of a sudden they're trying to drag you that way. And you know the word of God is in your heart and truth. And you know that you can't do that. Not if you're going to honor God. You know you can't walk that way. But guess what? All the public opinion wants you to go that way. And you all of a sudden have to make a decision that, no, I'm not going that way. I'm going to follow Jesus. Not easy. 
Jesus never claimed it was going to be easy. He said, take up your cross and follow me. But is it rewarding? Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Because I see when we walk down the world's way, when we make those decisions, it looks great right now, but man, I tell you over and over again, I see it end up in heartache and pain. And most of all, there is no opportunity for eternal life with Jesus. Many of us find ourselves at a fork in the road. And the decision must be made. I always think when I hear Fork and Road when I was growing up as a kid, I used to watch Johnny Carson, and he always used to put a map of all the different roads in L.A. <laughs> and all the different options. Which way do you take? Sometimes that's how life feels. But there is one road to heaven. It is Jesus Christ. We find a fork in the road. We must make a decision. Which road are we going to choose to travel? See, Jesus said the word of God is a sword. Jesus, and it's interesting, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. And so many times we think that direction. And he does bring peace to our hearts as followers of Christ. But he didn't come to bring peace. He, came, he brought a sword. It was a sword to divide. You have to make a choice. Which one do you choose? The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways. Yeah. In all your ways. Truth is found in Jesus. John discovered this truth, and it forever changed the direction of his life. He embraced the words of truth, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Today, I want to read a passage of Scripture. I'm just getting to my message right now. Oh, Pastor Tom, are you kidding me? No, but it's short. Some of you guys. I don't know what you're going to do in heaven. Today, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you from John's first letter. It's a letter written around 85 to 95 A.D. John's an older person when he writes this letter. John is full of life. He's full of experiences. He's writing this letter to believers who are being bombarded with false teachings. John is trying to help them to decipher between truth and darkness. And John begins his letter with such confidence. This is in 1 John. He's reminding his readers, I saw Jesus with my own eyes. I've touched Jesus with my own hands. I've walked with Jesus and I proclaim to you today, he is the one who has eternal life. Let's read the passage of John's first letter, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. Remember, John loves the subject of truth. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves, and we're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing him or showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Lord, I pray today for the next 15, 10 to 15 minutes that your word will be revealed to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. There are several bold statements that John makes in this letter, this first epistle of John, that I want to highlight to you today. The first one is this, there is no darkness in God. We find that in verse 5. 
John shows that, this, that his message comes directly from Jesus, that God is light. It is impossible for darkness to reside in God. God is 100% pure. He is 100% holy. He is 100% righteous. He is truth. That who, that's who God is. There is no wrong found in God. This statement, there is no darkness in God, is vital to our salvation. At any point, if God is not perfect, it means there is potentially a higher standard than God's standard. If God is not perfect. Which means God's judgment may not be the final judgment for our life. It would make Jesus' death and resurrection invalid if God is not perfect. Many times people try to elevate, and I want you to go somewhere with me today, because so many times this is what we do in our own personal life. Many times we try to elevate our, 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 our opinions above God's truth. Come on. I reason all the time, God. I know your word says this. We try to elevate our opinions above God's truth. When we do this, we imply that our knowledge is greater than God's knowledge. And it places us in dangerous territory. Our salvation, I want you to catch this, our salvation is not dependent upon my, upon my opinion or upon your opinion. Our salvation is reliant upon God's truth. Going back to the scripture I shared over and over and over again, and I share it once again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have to understand that God is 100% pure. There is no darkness in him. And John shares this with us. He says, I need you to understand. God is perfect. He is truth. There is no darkness in him. He is the one we must follow. Amen. The second bold statement that, Jesus, or that John makes is, we are a liar if we claim fellowship with God and walk in darkness. Boy, you know, just this little bit of the sons of thunder is coming through here. I mean, we know that John is all about, the, being about love, but man, there is truth that he is laying down. We are a liar if we claim fellowship with God and walk in darkness. And I think this, this statement is self-explanatory. We see it in verse 6. Jesus stated clearly that we can't serve two masters. He shared that in, in the Gospels. We can't serve. In that story when he says we can't serve two masters, he's talking about you can't serve manna, which is a representation of money or possessions or finances or those things that are precious to us of this world. You can't serve that and think that you're still going to serve me. You have to make a choice. You can't claim you live for God but then continually, continually walk in darkness. The Greek word there in verse 6 translated walking or living in darkness can also be translated, I conduct my life according to darkness. Think about that thought. It's the idea that darkness is leading my life and not the light of Jesus. And it's important to note that John is not claiming that Christians or believers do not sin. He's not claiming that we are perfect because then we wouldn't need Jesus, amen? So we're not perfect. He's not, but he says there's some that, are, that claim to be of the light, but yet they're walking in the darkness. How can that be? How can that be? It's the idea that darkness is leading my life. The idea being portrayed here is the person who knows they're living a false life. They're, they're allowing the darkness to lead their life even though they know the truth. They're not living in ignorance. They know the truth, but they choose darkness. It's a big deal. Because John is not saying they're being deceived. They're making a choice to live in darkness. 
while at the same time, this is the, the, the worst part of it, while at the same time, they proclaim to be living in the light. It's choosing not to seek God's forgiveness through repentance and therefore choosing not to embrace God's grace. And I've watched people who know the truth and yet they choose. And I'm not talking about a one-time sin. I'm talking about a lifestyle falling after darkness. They choose not to embrace God's grace. Remember, it's not a one-time thing. It's not someone who is ignorant of sin. It's someone who claims to know God but chooses darkness. Why is it such a dangerous place to live? Because we have removed ourselves from the grace of God. They have removed themselves from the one person who can save their soul. So, get out of darkness and get to light. That's what John is talking about. Stop living in darkness, start living in the light. Amen? Okay, we're going to get to happier places now. The next bold statement John makes is this in verses 8 and 10. He says, we call God, maybe we're not, we call God a liar if we claim we have no sin. Bold statement. We call God a liar if we claim we have no sin. John just cuts to the chase. He doesn't want anyone to be confused. You just can't say, well, I live a good life. I'm a good person. I've done a lot of good things. God's gonna, God, God knows my heart. I'm good. I, I've done, it's going to get me into heaven. You can't say that. There is no good person that's good enough to make his own way into heaven or her own way into heaven. John states, you're only fooling yourself if you claim you have no sin. And it also identifies that you don't have God's word in your heart because if you read God's word, if you read God's word, it naturally convicts you of wrong. In a good way. The Holy Spirit starts getting, it doesn't condemn you. It doesn't condemn you. It convicts you. There's a difference. Condemnation just throws you in hell and leaves you. Conviction goes, hey, have you thought about this? Why are you doing this when you know that this may be the better way of going? Conviction, all of a sudden, this thing in your heart where all of a sudden it starts to challenge the things that you do. And it challenges us in such a way that we can become more Christ-like. The Apostle Paul writes it very clearly in Romans 3.23, For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When the religious people were ready to, to stone the woman caught in adultery, do you guys remember that story? The woman was dragged out of the home. She was caught in adultery and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day were ready to stone this woman. It was Jesus who came into that scene because they were asking him, what, what should we do? And Jesus responds to the religious leaders, to the Pharisees of the day. He says, let, whom, let him who is without sin among you be the first one to throw at her. Jesus' words declare we've all sinned. So you've all, come on, guys, we're all, you're all sinners, not Jesus. You're all sinners. Who, who of you right now standing in the midst of there is perfect? None of you. So the perfect one casts a stone, representing that only Jesus is the one who's going to judge. Bottom line, if we claim we have no sin, then we are claiming that we have no need of a Savior. It's choosing to reject the need of the gospel message that Jesus died for our sins. It's declaring that God is a liar because we are declaring that we don't need a Savior. I'm good. You know, God, I do a lot of good things. It's that declaration. I don't, I, I'm, my goodness is going to get me into heaven. No, read the Bible. It says it not. It will not get you into heaven. Only the righteousness of Christ will get you into heaven. And we receive that righteousness through our faith in Jesus. The last statement, I told you as a short message. 
So for all those that were nervous, stop it now. The last statement I want to uh, describe my own way. I'm taking a little bit of liberty here. But we declare the devil a liar when we, li- when we live for Jesus. John wrote in verse 7, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. What a powerful statement. Living in the light sets us free from darkness, the darkness of sin. Sets us free from the lies that the devil tries to put on our life. It sets us free from the bondage that the devil tries to keep us in. It sets us free from all those things that have been spoken over your life. It sets us free from the wrongs that you have done in your life. It sets us free from those things that try to hold us in his, in his area instead of being able to turn by the grace of God and start walking for Jesus and leaving all those things of the past in the past because they're forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of John chapter 8, Jesus shares to the people, he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This is in John's gospel. John the apostle, he remembers those words and he's he's writing these down later on in life. He remembers these words and he writes them down. If you read the gospels, John's gospel is very unique. It's very different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John puts his own direction on it because he was so close with Jesus. And yet, from John 8, 12, where he says, I am the light of the world, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Thirty-some verses later, in this same chapter, we also find Jesus sharing some of the harshest words in the Gospels to the Pharisees and to the religious rulers of the day who refused to believe the testimony that Jesus was sharing. He says, for you are the children of your father, the devil. Wow. And you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. When you choose not to follow Jesus, you're choosing to follow this guy. Pastor Tom, why? Because the Bible, I don't finish my sentences many times, so let me finish my sentences. <laughs> Pastor Tom, why do you have to be so hard? Why do you have to make these harsh statements? Because guess what? That's what the Bible says. I would be a horrible pastor if I didn't preach truth. Amen. I'd be a horrible pastor. Well, you know what? That's good enough. Yeah, that's good enough. That's fine. You're going to make it to heaven. Who am I to judge that? Only Jesus will judge that. And the only way that we come to Christ, and Jesus makes it very specific, I am the way, the truth, and life. We have to choose to follow Jesus. We can't choose to follow darkness. Not meaning that we sometimes don't sin. I'm not saying that. So I don't want some of you guys to go, oh, Pastor Tom said I'm going to hell because I sinned last week. No, 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 no. I'm talking about walking in darkness in comparison to walking in the light. There's a lot of temptations out in this world. There's a lot of things we get bombarded by. It's getting harder and harder to live for Christ. But guess what? We choose to live for Jesus. Jesus is making it very clear there, are, there is a choice to make. 
The Apostle John knows this truth and he is sharing it to his readers. Guys, 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 I know all these false teachings that are coming around you. Stop listening to the false teachings and I, listen to me, guys. I walked with Jesus. I touched Jesus. I know Jesus. He is the real deal. He is the resurrection of life. You got to choose to follow Jesus. Don't get misdirected. Follow Christ. See, we all have to make a choice. Who are we going to follow? When we choose to follow Jesus, we decide to live the light of God's truth and declare to all those around us that the devil is a liar. That's what happens. That the devil is a liar. I love the words that Joshua shares to the Israelites when he's coming into the promised land. He looks at them all and he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we must all come to that decision in our, li in our own life. See, Joshua is calling the people to decide. He was asking them, you guys, everybody has to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Choose today whom you will, who you will serve. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Today, you can make that choice as well. Because John makes it very clear for each and every one of us. His it's so plain in his letter. I love John's writings. If you haven't had a chance, you can read this afternoon, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Just five chapters, I think it is, in 1st John. 2nd, 3rd John is one chapter. One, one. Come on, you can do it today. Read his word. 1st John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John is sharing the truth. He loves the truth. And he wants each and every one of us to experience the truth. And I encourage you to follow the truth that John declares. And that truth is Jesus Christ. He has already stood up. He has already identified himself. I am not the imposter. He is the one that went to the cross, stood up tall, and said, I have died for each and every one of you because I love you. Follow me. Follow me. Who do you choose today to follow? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today. Woo! There is power in your word. There is salvation in your word. There is forgiveness in your word, God. And today I pray over each person here today that, Lord, as we walk through this life at times, it can become so difficult. But, God, it's not difficult if we walk in the power of your spirit. All of a sudden, the things of the darkness starts to fall off, and, Lord, we see the light more and more clear, and we start following the light. We start following the truth. We start following you in all that we do. I pray for those that maybe are struggling, Lord God, today with sin. I pray, Lord God, right now this will come alive into their hearts, into their lives. That we can't do that. We can't just continue to walk in the darkness. We have to choose the light. God is patient with us. He loves us so dearly. He sent his son to die on the cross for each and every one of us. But today is the day to choose to follow Jesus. And when we do, he sets us free from darkness. He sets us free from the lies of the devil. Oh, hallelujah. He is the truth. He is the one that stood up for each and every one of us. If you're here today watching us online or if you're here in the audience right now and you just need to make that decision, I want every head bowed for just a moment. This is old school stuff. That's okay. I'm old school. I'm old. So I do certain things old school and it's okay. 
In fact, some things might need to go back to old school. Don't ask me to go back to hymns quite yet. But let's, just, let's just work on the other things. But if you're here today right now, and just Jesus is just knocking on the door of your heart, and you recognize that's you, and you just need to say, yeah, Pastor Tom, it's, it's my decision day. I need to follow Jesus. Maybe you're online, and you're watching me right now, and you're saying, yeah, Pastor Tom, it's my day. I need to follow Jesus. If you want to make that choice, if you want to say, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, I want you to raise your hand real high. Just raise your hand real high. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. For you online that maybe are here, here today, watching this message right now, I want you to raise your hand right there in your home, in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever you might be, in the kitchen. And I want all of us to say this prayer together. Oh, it's a good prayer for all of us to repeat over and over and over and over again. Not that our salvation is never secure, but man, it's just a reminder that who is our salvation and his name is Jesus. So repeat this prayer with me today. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I say no to darkness. Forgive me of my sins. Set me free from bondage. I choose to follow you today. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to do what is right. I praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Woo, God is good, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.